Cross it in, looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi, y'all. Five Strike Final. Jason Jones, Dirty South Soccer. Uh, Joe Patrick from Dirty South Soccer over there. Joe Patrick, I'm back. Your intro's getting rusty, man. After I totally nailed it the first, uh, last week. You did do well. Flying solo, man, that was scary. You- Never leave me <laughs> like that again. You did well. You did well. You flew solo for about 30 minutes there. And I, I was very, very impressed uh, as, as I nursed my wounds a little bit. But I'm up. I'm hobbling. I'm walking around. I'm good to go. I'm ready to talk about the total disaster that is that is everything Atlanta United right now, <laughs> except oh. for the 14s, except Do- for the 14s, the baby stripes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, should we just go right off the bat into why what makes the five the uh, baby stripes so successful? And that's the <laughs> fact that they wear five stripes. That's exactly it. They actually stick true to the brand. Once once Atlanta United, the, the big stripes got too far away from the brand they got away from that championship mentality joe patrick that grit and once that went away you're left with a team that can't score goals for 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 anything especially not from open play nope not us or you know close down on random real salt lake players yeah yeah uh, oh we're gonna talk about the match huh um i guess we have hmm. to that's kind of the point of the show. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. This one for me was the hardest one to actually watch this entire season. It was just such an ugly game. And when I mean so hard to watch, I mean, like, literally, I was losing it, my attention, you know, with a computer screen in front of my face. Um, trying frankly, to that's generally like how the West Coast away games have gone. But usually they win. Right. Normally right. it's like we shut off against Colorado. Because, you know, they're up 3 nothing in 20 minutes and everybody shuts off. Or, you know, they, they beat up on Real a little bit. Good uh, San Jose Earthquakes. Scores a goal. Oh, the San Jose game. Yeah, that happened once. But that was like, that was five stripes That was after a crazy dark. one. That was a crazy that, one. That was different. If you get into the five stripes after dark territory, it's a whole different ball game at that point. Um, which begins after 11 p.m. Kind of when Harris goes to sleep, things, go, when Harris things goes get to wild. Sleep, yeah. So about 9.30 on most, on weeknight or weekdays anyway. Um no, but seriously, I found myself just in this one. I was just fading. I was, yeah. I, 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 there was just, you know, obviously we Atlanta United wanted to try to hold on for, to get a point after Joseph got that goal, and up until that point, I don't know. Just like up until the subs that happened um, when Franco Escobar and Pitti Martinez came on. Before that, it was basically all trash, and after that, it was you know they got the goal and that was good. Um, Franco Escobar, I thought, really provided an injection of energy and pace that the team was clearly missing and like i don't want to just keep going down and having the same conversation every week about you know the fixture congestion and all that but i thought that you know the the fact that he had just not you know played the obviously the first 60 odd minutes um and he's all and he's you know one of the more energetic players anyway for him to come on fresh i thought that was actually a pretty good tactical plan from uh from debor to try to spring that on real salt lake there um but i thought you know Real Salt Lake scored two bangers, you know, like, yeah, I didn't think Atlanta United played that bad. When I say it was a shit game, it was just boring to watch. You know, it was just there just wasn't a whole lot going on. I thought Real Salt Lake really did not capitalize in moments where they could have capitalized. 
uh, earlier in the game, and they actually like kind of let Atlanta back into it in the second half there. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, it was just one of those things, and I think Atlanta has probably been on the on the on the other side of that um, in the last couple of years, kind of just on the on the other side of you know scoring those great goals, those you know great winners, and uh, maybe not with the f- actual last kick of the game, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was just. One of the one of those gut punches. I feel like a lot of things are happening this year that will hopefully make us kind of appreciate uh, future wins a little bit more. Because I feel like right now we're in the complete upside down version of that. They look very MLS to put it. Yeah, that's a perfect description. Honestly, they look very, uh, very normal at this point. And then, you know, the first. The first year to an extent they did it. And then last year, especially they did it. But now, right. It's just if you if you replace those guys with with the Brian Whites of the world on the back of their jersey, you wouldn't blink an eye. As far as if you were just watching the game, you'd be like, okay, yeah, that's Brian White. That makes sense. Uh, that's that's how these guys play. Uh, yeah, it does not look like kind of what we come to expect. But we, we, this is a ton of things we've said a bunch. Um, right. I do want to mention, by the way, though, the fixture congestion thing. Fixture congestion. I want to I want to chart this out because I I keep hearing that and I understand there's travel involved and everything like that but it's not like we're playing that many more games than anybody else and not to the extent that I think it should yeah it should take away from what this team should be able to do is that fair um well uh, to an extent I I you know the la- the uh Atlanta's opponents have had more rest than Atlanta has in each of the last 5 games I think um it's just I mean yeah I I do understand in, in the respect that every team you know like every team has fixture congestion like the reason this is happening is because of this isn't has like nothing to do with um and anything that's uniquely Atlanta about this, like because they had to play in CONCACAF Champions League or something like that. This is just the natural congested part of the schedule for most teams. That's why, you know, we're playing Minnesota United, you know, we're playing other teams too in these midweek games. So they're having to play midweek games as well. Um, But I know I don't, I, I really do think that, you know, I think that this team would have had more energy if they had a week to prepare instead of, you know, a couple days. And it's great. Like, you know, I've, I've been going to training and, I actually haven't been able to get there out get out there as much recently, but part of that is because they just haven't been having that many training sessions. Like they've basically been off. They're just trying to rest and recuperate before um, the next matches. And I think that uh, Frank DeVore is actually doing a better job of that than Tata Martino ever did. I, I mean, that was kind of one of the criticisms of the reason Atlanta United fell apart on the stretch last season was that Tata Martino had kind of run them into the ground. And Frank DeBoer is very conscious of trying to give these guys as much time off as possible to try to recuperate. But I think that's because, you know, it, it's MLS and uh, in MLS, you can only have a certain amount of good players on your team. And uh, Frank DeBoer seems to have realized that. And he's trying to keep all of his good players in as much as possible. So, you know, uh, it's just one, I don't know, it's just one of those things. And I think that that game, you know, there would be a whole different conversation and kind of tenor around that game, around the Real Salt Lake game, had the Jefferson Savarino not scored that banger. At the last second, I don't know, man. Even the the goal Atlanta actually got felt fluky. You know, it didn't feel. I was not going to be positive. I was going to have the same conversation. <laughs> Honestly, I was. Uh, I guess I mean in general. 
I guess I mean in general, just looking at like, you know, you know, um, when you go on a baseball on on a road trip, you know, you try to like, you know, win X amount of games or take X amount of points out of a certain amount of games. And we had these this was like the toughest part of the schedule by far coming into the season was this three game trip where you're, we're going across the country, cross country, cross country. And I think to have gotten four points from that would have been good. I think three points is still decent um, coming out of this, but um, I don't know. You're probably right, actually. Yeah. I'm usually, usually that. Oh, it's because nobody's scoring bangers for us anymore. That's the reason, you know, like the first season in in 2017 in 2017, Atlanta United scored 17 more goals than their expected goals would have said. That is insane. And it means we were scoring bangers. Yeah, kind of, kind of. I think I looked at that once and kind of looked at um, where those shots were coming from and they weren't like, stunning or anything like that um especially then you look at 2018 how it kind of evened out with the xg and the and the goals and we were still putting up huge numbers um and, and this is something i want to get to and i think it's a a somewhat no i'm not gonna say someone i'm gonna buy into this you know what we're gonna go full into this i'm tired of skirting okay. around it i think that this attack has been to an extent neutered and i don't think um other coaches would have had this issue. And I believe that right now um, because. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm, <laughs> Joe Patrick, Joe Patrick, so what is it? So let me you. ask you. I have a game for you. Like, go. Fine. Okay. No, you go. Well, I just want to ask like what, what in particular, um, like what do you, what is, what is happening on the pitch that, that frustrates you, I guess. They aren't scoring enough goals. um no i I think uh i think a lot of it is just um man they're they're missing uh kind of an edge to whatever they're doing anything they do just feels toothless it feels slow um and it feels like it's being restrained a little bit i i think Mm -hmm. the players are being set up in, in positions like joseph martinez who's being a false nine, which is, is f- okay, fine. I, I just don't feel like it's being uh, maximized to the extent it could be. That's not to say it won't get there, uh, but right now it's it's extremely frustrating, and I feel like uh, the the setup is is hampering them more than even keeping them average, right? It, and I, I think there's this idea that I kind of keep coming back to that there is a job of a manager to essentially just not screw things up when you have a roster as talented as you have here. Um, Essentially just kind of get out of the way or make it better. Those are your two options. It shouldn't be to slow it down. And for some reason, this is slowed down. Well, I think that, you know, I think that the team is, uh, I mean, Ezekiel Barco, we saw the impact that he had. He was kind of, the guy that we were starting to pin as the guy who could replace what Miguel Almiron brought to Atlanta United, Um, just in terms of the energy and the direct um, ability to transition uh, with the ball at his feet, you know, making those 30, 40 yard runs with the ball at his feet um, to try to supply Joseph. And I think that we really miss that, you know, because Pitti is not that guy to do that. Um, Gressel's not that guy to do that. Gressel's got a great final ball. Um, 
you know, he's good when he's in, when he finds himself in space in the attacking third, but he's not the guy who wants the ball at his feet to create. Okay. Darlington Nagby is not even that guy. Darlington Nagby <laughs> will carry the ball, but he cannot make like an incisive pass to save his life. Okay. I get this. I understand this. And we've talked about it a lot. Um, but looking around the rest of the league, where do you think that you remove Zeke from this and look at the roster, or the, the, the 11 they put out, maybe put Franco in there. Uh, we'll say Franco starts, PD starts, all that kind of thing. Um, but remove Zeke right now and still compare the 11 we have to the rest of the league. What kind of tier is that roster in and from an attacking standpoint? Yeah, I mean it's a it's it's a great team. It's one of the best in one of the best in the league. Not the Excellent. best, but exactly. one of the best. Which leads me to my game, Joe Patrick. I have a game for you. Are you okay. ready? Yep. Are you ready? This is fun. It's called More or Less. I'm calling it More or Less. This is an H Dad first. Joe did not I like know games during this. This is fun. Um, so Atlanta United this season in 13 matches played has 14 goals for. All right. I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you a a team or a thing, right? And the number is going to be associated with that team or thing. And you're okay. going to have to tell me if it's more or less than the 14 goals Lady United have scored. We have okay? what 14 goals in 13 games? 14 goals in 13 games. That okay. is terrible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Um, total goals for the Columbus crew this season. Uh, more, more or less more they are actually tied. They both have 14. Oh, trick okay. question right off the bat. Trick question right off the bat, but you kind of get the gist of it, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, total goals for the new England revolution. Uh, they got to have more. Cause I think they just had put up a five spot recently. They have more. They have 15 goals compared to our 14, uh, Cincinnati. Oh, probably more. They actually have less. Okay, less? So, so at least it's not Cincinnati bad. In 14 games, Cincinnati has 11 goals for. Oh, that's um, really bad. Yeah, they're, they're 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 trying. I thought they had, I thought they had put a, they had some high scoring games, but I guess not. They did, and then they kind of well, okay. And then I stopped paying attention to them. Think. Yeah, exactly. Everyone <laughs> else did too. Um, Greg Carson got hurt again. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, uh, poor guy. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, okay. Next one. Um, Colorado Rapids as a team. Total goals. Less. They have more. They have 20 goals this year. The Colorado Rapids who have, let me check real quick, a total of eight points (laughs) this year. So I, they're, they're choosing some things there, but still 20 goals for, for Colorado Rapids. Actually, let's just do this. Every team in the Western Conference, individually, more or less, goals than Atlanta United. Oh, well, they've got to have more. They've got to have more. They have more, right? Every single team in the Western Conference. Um, so that leaves us with one team in MLS with less goals than Atlanta United. It's FC Cincinnati. All right. Carlos Vela. <laughs> uh, less. He's got to have less. He's got more. What? <laughs> He's got 15 goals. Holy shit. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. Um, combined clean sheets by Bill Hanid and Sean Johnson. Less. 
by one. They have 13 total clean sheets. I'm on the board. All right. <laughs> There's a few more. There's a few more. We're almost there. Um, assist by Nico Ladero and Diego Valeri. Uh, total assist combined for them. Mm, less. More by one. They have 15 assists if you combine their two assist totals. That is assist total for two players more than Atlanta. They get hockey assists, though, in MLS. That's, cool. That's true. Fair. That's true. So let's do this. <laughs> goals by <laughs> Christian Nemeth and Johnny Russell. I believe both of those are SKC guys. Yes. Know. No, yeah, the SKC. Um, yeah. I'll say more. It's a push. They got 14 combined. So both of them have seven. That's Christian Nemeth and Johnny Russell. Um, let's see. Uh, number of James Bond movies starring Sean Connery and Roger Moore. Ooh, uh, I'll say more. Uh, push. That's 14. So many pushes. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> number of University of Georgia SEC championships. Less. Less by one. Georgia has 13 SEC championships. That's uh, second in the SEC, just so you know. Uh, hmm. <laughs> Number of Tottenham First Division titles, FA Cups, and League Cups. Oh, it's got to be, it's got to be less. It's a push, actually. You guys have fourteen. There you go. Last one. Number, huh. number combined. That's that's First Division, FA Cup, and League Cup. All there. Um, let's see. Uh, number of insane clown posse studio albums. <laughs> they record in a studio. Apparently. Um. More. They probably pump them out. They pump them out. They have 15 total studio albums. That is one more than Atlanta United has goals for. And that was more or less. There you go. You know, I used to know a juggalo. Oh, boy. Really? It was when I was in high school. She was a bagger at Publix. Did she wear the makeup? And I was, and I was a cashier. She did not wear makeup. Uh, she had tattoo the juggalo tattoos, and then her car was just completely covered in stickers like you couldn't oh even gosh. see her car <laughs> amazing amazing magnets oh man good times good uh, times <laughs> amazing times but I, does more or less kind of accentuate my point there are many things that that were more or very very close that should not be in general Despite yes it, no it's it, it is it's, it's it's an it's an eye-opener for sure but i think you know I don't want what I say to be misconstrued as like, I'm pleased with what is what I'm seeing from Atlanta United. Um, I just have, I I guess I just have confidence that things will get better. And I think that, you know, if we want to kind of criticize uh, some of this stuff, I I mean, I think you have to kind of look at the way this team is constructed and like, was Pitti Martinez, you know, for all the plaudits, and I'm not doubting his quality one bit. I think he's a great player, and he can can still be a great player for Atlanta United, and I think he will be uh, in due time. But, you know, was he the right person, the right player to replace Miguel Almiron, or was, was there a better fit? You know, obviously, Pitti Martinez... Really Pitti Martinez was going... was the, the bet, like, the highest profile name, right? Like, he was the best right. kind of player, the best talent that you could possibly get. But would there have been a more like, you know, 
a more, you know, like for like, so to speak, player that Atlanta United could have gotten that would have made the transition a little easier going away from Miguel Almiron, who was a special player in his own right, who had very, you know, unique talent. So I don't know, you know, I, I don't want to doubt, you know, I'm just put, kind of putting it out there as, as something to think about. No, this is this is a really interesting point. I, I kind of want to dig into it a little bit because yeah. uh, you bring up something that is, it's the two kind of facets of Atlanta United warring with each other, right? There's like this tug of war between sort of this money ball kind of mentality, this analytics-based mentality that you have with people like Lucy Rushton coming in and, and mm-hmm. setting up their programs to kind of, um, you know, find the best player, the best fit based on statistics and finances and everything like that. And then you have the side of Atlanta United that's purely spectacle, right? Flexing nuts. Um, yeah. Flexing. Yeah. The, the truck nuts of Atlanta United, if you will. Um, <laughs> wow. That's, that's, that's a weird sound bite. Um, <laughs> but no, you've got, but like, you know, you bring in, you bring, <laughs> You bring in Zeke, right? And you announce it in front of everybody at MLS Draft, all the people streaming MLS Draft anyways, uh, or the Super Draft, excuse me. Um, And you do that, the flex. You bring in the South American Player of the Year to flex, right? You know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But they've missed twice now, for the most part, anyway. At least initially, it seemed like with Zeke. Um, And now initially, it seems like with with Petey. And it's a really interesting idea that that maybe the two sides are are not working in harmony right now. Like the Almiron one, it worked, right? Because Miggy was so in tune with, with the fans, with the smiling all the time and always looking like he's enjoying that he's playing and everything. Uh but then you bring in the big names and Zeke struggles with the fans initially because of romantic overtures and then, you know, Petey doesn't smile and falls over a lot. Um, it's, it's a war of the worlds right now. And I, I wonder where the line, where the, the, the high water mark for both of them is right. Where's the wave break Yeah, um, go towards the analytics money ball stuff and, and winning a whole, well, maybe a little bit more, I guess, or does it keep staying towards the flashy part? It's, yeah, it's an idea of like, how do you keep the fans engaged? Cause right now what they're doing, the, the flashy ones that aren't playing in tune with the team is, is leading to worse results and people are less interested. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, it is a funny dynamic too. If this kind of is working out the way that I kind of envision it, having worked with the way that recruitment has happened at the club, which is that, like you said, Lucy is looking for players, basically all kinds of players. She's just kind of doing due diligence on, you know, anybody and but then you have you know probably a guy like Darren Eels or you know Paul McDonough in the past or whoever it may have been who have connections with agents to like more high profile names and like what if Lucy is like wants to say you know I don't think this is a great signing you know it's it's kind of like a little and again that's not to say not I shouldn't have said great signing this might not be the best fit for us at this time um you know, it's hard to tell your boss that when you're, if your boss, yeah. like, hey, hey, I got pity, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's tough. It, it's an interesting dynamic there. I'm not sure. I'm sure that's not how it happens, by the way, but there might be some kind of awkwardness there. Um, and I think something that you, you you mentioned that I just wanted to caveat was like, I think when we say like they don't work and I, I made the same mistake just a second ago, which was that like, I don't think like you said, pit, like we kind of missed on Barco. 
like it was a miss in the fit or like what we needed in that moment. But I think that, right. you know, we're seeing his quality come through now and he, you know, we'll, we'll see him become a good player, but like, you know, how often can you do that? You kind of need your players in MLS to perform right away uh, because you only have them, especially the, the good ones. You only have probably for a short period of time before they either, um, are picked off by a bigger club or they get frustrated and, and want to leave for some other reason. So, um, yeah, that's exactly right. This is a cycle, right? This is a cycle that yes. needs to, to move quickly to be effective and for, for the model to work. Right. So if you are getting these guys and they're coming in and struggling, then it, then it throws a wrench in your model a little bit. Right. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, the, it depends on what kind of timeline you want, I guess, because we are, you know, you saw the goal Zeke scored at the U twenties. Um, I guess two days ago now, though it was amazing. He's probably going to get a lot of hype off of that, and, and it may turn around and be just this uh, incredible deal we make for him in, in, during this winter. Uh, but I don't know. It, it's weird because it, he's a little younger. But do you really want to wait two years to do this every time? Or are you trying to do it in one year? What's What's the plan? I wonder. Right, and there is, and and, and I would say the same thing even goes for managers. Um, that that. Atlanta United has has pursued um, and hired, you know, big name managers. Guy like, guys like Tata Martino was the first one. Obviously, he stayed two years and then did his own. Then went off to do the Mexican thing, but um, but he, you know, that was in his track record. Kind of, you could probably kind of predict that. But I think that you could also predict that someone like Frank DeBoer would probably have something similar in mind. Like this is pretty clearly a chance for him to rebuild his image, right? Like, I don't think he wants to be coaching in MLS for the rest of his life. I think that he sees this as an opportunity and, you know, an opportunity that can be mutually beneficial for both he and the club. So um, there's turnover there as well. And I th- it's a really tricky balance for the front office to strike to kind of get all these things aligned properly. And this is something that I've had a concern about for a long time, which is just when you have this much turnover, it's just, it's so hard to strike that note um, and, and kind of have that, cohesion i mean that's kind of been the the word we've said in i think every probably show this season is like you know this team is you know is is lacking kind of just like that 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 sixth sense of knowing where each other are going to be and those kinds of things and i think that extends beyond the pitch you know i think that goes you know beyond it, it extends into other areas when you talk about the manager and even 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 front office members you know we've seen paul mcdonough come in he came in helped build the club and he's out you know yeah. um so you know there, there's lots of moving parts and that happens in, in all clubs of course but um yeah i mean it's just something that that this is kind of the bed that atlanta united has made it you know has made for itself it's this it's kind of um, a mega club so to speak in terms of you know um, respective to scale as to where we are and um and that's just part of the deal um so i don't know yeah it's just something to kind of consider i don't i don't really have a more profound point to make on it but it's just something um another interesting dynamic surrounding this team yeah you wonder how the trajectory of this team is actually going to go. I, I think the idea a lot of people have, and probably I had in a lot of cases, is that it kind of, you know, stays pretty much a plateau at the top of the league kind of thing. But w- with all this turnover, we we may have to talk into our, ourselves into following a team that is kind of up and down, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it may be two years at a time where it kind of takes a second to build and then comes back up and then comes back down. 
Well, I mean, um, that is that is kind of the cycle. That is kind of the way that American sports are kind of modeled. Like it's not like American sports. The the design of the league is not meant for dynasties. You know, that's why the sure. the worst team gets the first pick in the drafts and all that stuff every year. And I think that MLS, when it was original, when it was set up, it was set up like a lot of other American leagues in that sense. But, you know, I think, you know, traditional European soccer is kind of the opposite of that um, as to where, you know, it, like European soccer is m- like almost pure purely capitalist um as to where american sports are more like communist in a sense where it's like sharing of money all that stuff so um not to get political but um so i, th- I think there'll be an interesting dilemma i think that it'll, <laughs> i think it'll be you know people really should pay attention uh when the cba gets renegotiated uh at the end of this year that'll be really important it'll it'll say a lot for where the league is going um, you know, obviously people are going to be focused on the amount of TAM and all that stuff, but there are, there are lot, there's much more to it besides just like the amount of money the league is going to give the teams to spend. So, uh, it'll be really interesting to kind of see the, what details come out of the CBA. It will be, and, and you know, my, I've voiced my opinions on this in the past that I'm very, uh, pro capitalism when it comes to sports and, and actually nothing else besides that. But, um, <laughs> You know, I, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do there, and I hope it veers towards something that allows the the big teams to get bigger and, and pick the little teams up a little bit. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, did we have any questions for this? Um, I, I didn't even. I didn't even do a call out. What's the point anymore? Not, not that. Not that you guys have bad questions. It's just they're the same every week. You know, it, it's like most weeks. Yeah. It's kind of the same things, and especially after a loss. You know, it's just. <coughs> And I'm not going to, and I'm, if someone wants me to like break down, you know, the X's and O's of how we got scored on or how we scored, that's just, that's not my, that's not my jam. Yeah. And we're all about sticking to our jam here on five strike final. Just how we roll. Just how we roll. Um, anything else we want to add? Kind of here. I think we already went like pretty over time doing goofy things like more. Yeah. We've already done 30 minutes. I, um, wow. Yeah, I mean, Barco, what, what what do you think? Let's we should take odds. We should take a bet on this right now on like what we okay. think he's going to go for. We oh, bought gosh. him for what is it? Fifteen million dollars. Rumored fifteen million. And <sighs> what did Miguel go for? Miguel went for thirty. Is that right? I think it was like hot, like twenty eight or something. I think it was yeah, high twenties. High twenties. Twenty seven million reports a website called DirtySouthSoccer dot com. <laughs> Um, reliable um i will say he goes over that i think he'll go for i think he does too he's young i think he'll go for 20 i think he'll go for like 20 million pounds which is what about 40 million dollars something like that no i think it's like uh it's like it would be 35 i'm not sure exactly i'm sorry not 20 million pounds i meant like maybe i meant 30 million (laughs) maybe i meant that (laughs) i don't know I think he go, I, th- I think he'll go for like if, okay if Almiron went for twenty seven million I think uh, I think Barco will go for thirty five million dollars. Let's, let's stick stick to one currency here, Joe. Thirty five million and one dollars. There we go. Sounds okay, good. boom, taking yep. the over. Yep, our price is right at you. Um, It'll be interesting. Yeah, I can't I wait to I'm watch right. his next game. Yeah, he's just kind of on a tear a little bit. Like think about last year, and think about how. <laughs> how the uh the thought to hit that ball in at the, the u20 world cup to, to take it off the volley like that to even think about hitting that towards goal 
it, it never ever would have crossed his mind last year if you ran that scenario like a thousand times right that's never a goal last year at any point yeah um, no way dude dude has got the, the crowd guy. would beg right. him to shoot and yeah. he wouldn't do it so there you go there you go guys come a long way single fully weaponized zeke I think tonight. we'll see a different Atlanta United when he comes back. I'm, I'm still, I'm still sticking to that. I think that he provides a lot of what Atlanta is missing right now. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right, and I'm, I'm still very excited for when George Bello finally comes back too, as well. Um, That's a good point because you know I was surprised. I thought Mikey Ambrose would start that game, and he wasn't even on the squad. I guess he played with the twos. I didn't check the twos roster, but hey, I just, just bring someone up from the U14s. Bring someone from the baby stripes. They actually have to win. They that. look great, man. I was so impressed with them. They have yeah, like they have some athletes up front, which really helped them kind of score, <laughs> essentially. Um, but I was just really impressed with their midfielders, baby Carlton being one of them. Um, but I was actually really impressed. I forget his name now. Uh, but there was a the, their most cent, their most central defensive midfielder, Johan Chirinos. Nice, was, I, which I definitely mispronounced. Great player. Really gave it's Atlanta. That, what I really enjoyed about that team is like they really had a style. And I thought the, the three midfielders really kind of helped provide that style of like, you know, just keeping the ball and moving it and playing a fluid, you know. There was some dummies, some like, you know, one touch passing. I, I just really enjoyed it. It was a fun game to watch. You know, U14s, no one's faking injuries. No one's, you know, like, you know, wasting too much time except for at the end. It was just a fun game to watch. Very open, so much you know. So, so much. much. All the lots, gym of, lots of bows and, flying. Yeah, exactly. Man, Tony and on for manager, by the way. I think we should keep harping on that until it happens. There was one um, time, uh, can I tell a quick, there was one time cool. last, I think it was last year. Maybe it was early, early this season. We were doing a, pre, we were doing a press scrum and it was in this little room out just beside the lobby where they have this like wall where the trophies are. And like, it's like a whole wall full of trophies, but of course most of them are youth trophies um you know because atlanta united only has like one or two i think they have you know they have everything there, like their preseason trophies and all that kind of stuff and we're like doing a scrum and tony Anon just like just like walks in very quietly quietly and like or not quietly he kind of like storms in but doesn't say anything and then just like slams a new trophy down (laughs) right next to all the other ones and then just leaves without saying a word it was pretty funny (laughs) that's excellent that's excellent one time i was walking into the training ground and tony was walking out just by himself um, and uh, says something to me along the effect of, "You aren't with the fucking silverbacks, are you?" <laughs> I went, "No, <laughs> what?" <laughs> um, <laughs> they were playing. They were playing a scrimmage with uh, the silverbacks that day, who don't exist anymore. Uh, but uh, I think he was annoyed with all the the silverbacks fans that had tried to get in to there. Um, so that's hilarious. That's my Tony Non story. It was great. Um, that's great. Cool. Uh, congrats to the baby stripes. Um, sign them all to homegrown contracts. Let's get it done. Yep. Joe Patrick, anything else? Nope. Let's get out of here. Cool. Uh, bye all. Uh, yeah. Bye.